0: Welcome to the Self-Help Podcast, a weekly no-nonsense guide dedicated to your emotional health and well-being. Presented by entrepreneur Edward Lamb and psychotherapist Sean Orford. For more information, visit liveinthepresent.co.uk. Okay, hello, welcome to episode 437 of the Self-Help Podcast with me, Ed Lam, and my good pal, Sean Orford. How are you doing, Sean?
1: I'm doing very well.
0: How are you doing? Yeah, good. I mean, uh, I don't really need to ask how you are, actually, because we we actually saw each other, didn't we, at the weekend?
1: We did. That was a breakthrough, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. And met and little Cooper.
0: Um, oh, yeah. Is he here now? Cooper, do you want to come say hello? No. He's, yeah, you've, you've met the, uh, the new member of the family. Gorgeous little Cooper, eh? Yeah, yeah.
1: It's a funny little
0: thing, yeah? What a delight. Here he is. Hang on. Come on. For those watching on... Uh, on the YouTube channel, you get special. You get to see little gorgeous <laughs> Cooper, and he's cute. <laughs> he's slotted into family life quite well, here, haven't you, bud? Put him down.
1: And he he can't be much bigger than those guinea pigs.
0: <laughs> well, he's he's, he's growing by the day, but it's hard to tell. You know, it's we're we're talking actually today about kind of kids and how they grow up so fast and all that, and move out, and when you're actually mm-hmm. living with a human being that's growing like I do with children or even a dog um, yeah you don't get to see them like the change day by day because he kind of it all blurs into one but I think he's actually even looking back at photos from a couple of weeks ago he's uh he's growing pretty quickly
1: it, it's amazing when you have a, a, a baby a human baby and then you're weighing it on a weekly basis how much they're putting on each week it's amazing yeah, yeah. they grow incredible yeah um yeah so-
0: so yeah it's uh I mean you'll see him meet me again in a few weeks I'm sure and uh he's, yeah. he's sprouting and he'll, before we know it he'll be off to university eh <laughs> 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 Um because that is what we're talking about today before we do um liveinthepresent.co.uk for all the show notes and links as ever all previous episodes are online Sean's got a blog post uh, to accompany this this episode which you can read um at your leisure uh, as well, and do sign up to the mailing list so you get weekly alerts for the show. Um, so yeah, uh, go on then, Sean. So we're talking, the title of this one is Empty Nest and Covid Fears. So what's what's prompted this one for you?
1: Well, it, it's funny because this time of year, uh, I always get an amount, it's usually mums, sometimes it's dads, but usually it's mums that are going through a bit of a crisis. It's the rites of passage thing because um, the kids are going off to uni. And the bit, it's like if you got three kids, it's the first one and the last one, the, the big one, the one in the middle. It's like, okay. <laughs> um, but, um, so normally I'd, I'd get this, oh, you know, the, you know, who am I? I'm not a mother anymore. I've got the, all that kind of stuff. But this year, I've got a, a series of kids who are actually scared of going, they've been, um, oh, uh, well. in kind of lockdowns type situations, and um. Uh, And and I guess young people are falling into two categories. They're the people that can't wait to rush out and go to a club and have a good time. And those are actually terrified. And um, the thing seems to be that because um, young people have been at home and been very much sort of closeted in this lockdown kind of atmosphere, suddenly the idea of leaving that and going into halls of residence or a flat somewhere seems terrifying.
0: Then, um, Yeah, I mean, just so we're not like isolating anyone from the from this episode, you know, not everyone goes to uni, and but there the will come a no. point for most children in most families where it might be university, it might be an apprenticeship or a job or whatever, yeah. or traveling that kind of thing where where they've got to fly the nest, haven't they? Um, Well, they yeah. don't have to, but they tend tend to. Although I sh- it's worth pointing out that I think the average age that kids officially leave home is getting further and further up the charts for various reasons you know not just you know not just kind of loving the, the creature comforts of home but rising house prices but, and all that kind of stuff I, uh,
1: <laughs> but there's and some areas of psychology psychology are suggesting that 31 is the new 21 yeah i, I mean know, you know people might not be leaving until 10 years later
0: yeah uh i mean you know this kind of period of human history is relatively short you know where kind of formal education you know school college uni is quite like what 100 200 300 years ago when would kids have left home or even going back to kind of um, if you go way back in human history is the idea of kind of leaving home a bit of a, a strange one for the, the the kind of role of the yeah. when like adolescent human what
1: but in, in extended families, the um, um, your um, children were your uh, retirement pension. They? They're the ones that were going to look after you until the soil, and um, when you you were past it, and they'd be looking after you. It was uh, yeah. yeah. But we we stayed. I, I mean, I can remember Edna, my adopter granny, saying that when she was a child, um, and she was ninety six in nineteen eighty eight. So work out when she was born. 18 something. <laughs> but the um um she was saying that in the north of Scotland where she was born, no one went further than you could go there and back on a horse and cart in a day. That was that was as far as you went. That was the perimeter. Um and anything else other than that, because there were no trains, no cars, nothing. Mm. Um the major ordeal to go and, and actually go somewhere, like go to another town or something.
0: Yeah. Um, and I guess the other, the speed of change in human progress has been pretty rapid, and we're still coming to terms with it, aren't we? And maybe that's why, um, for some parents, when when their kids leave home, it's it's such an ordeal, I guess, and uh, such a, a big thing, because it's not maybe it's maybe kind of in terms of instinctively, and it's not something that that we should be doing. I don't know.
1: You mean that like staying with the tribe, kind of thing?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. not something I've got noted down here, but just thinking off the top of my head, maybe maybe to leave the place where you grew up, um, as, as is often the case with, with uni, going to university in particular. Um, maybe it's something that, we're, that we're, we're not really hardwired to do, you know, either either do it ourselves or to be on the receiving end and have someone that you love and you're used to living with. Um, mm.
1: But in most situations, even now across the world, to leave the group is to leave safety, isn't it? I mean, there's always been those odd ones who were the explorers and the adventurers who went off and tried to sail around the world in galleons and, you know, discovered other countries and things. There's always been that kind of personality. Yeah. And most people will stay at home.
0: Um, <laughs> last week, we talked about midlife crisis, or having a midlife crisis. Uh, I think we did touch on the, the fact that at that kind of age in life... So my kids... My, my eldest is nearly ten, and I'm I'm nearly forty. So when I'm, you know, ten years from now is probably roughly the time, assuming we kind of carry on the tradition of higher education and all that stuff, that he'll be moving out, and I'll be touching fifty and all that. So um, we all, we already kind of experience in our family that weird sensation. So when when the when our two kids go out to stay the night at grandparents or have a sleepover at their mates, something like that. Uh, the house goes eerily quiet and, uh, it's not altogether a pleasant experience. I mean, for all the kind of, oh, isn't it nice to have a night off and we can have a lie in tomorrow and blah, 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 blah. So that kind of, that kind of quiet house is re- is a really, really strange thing to be in. Um, and not, yeah, not, not that pleasant actually. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not something that can be kind of easily dismissed is it kind of have changing that changing dynamic.
1: No, and, and I think that the issue, uh, it, it does affect men, but it, is, it has a greater effect on, on the woman, on the mother in the house. Um, but that idea that um, I define myself, the who am I bit, is I define myself by what I do. And if I define myself as being a wife, then being a mother, and then growing these kids up, and then they've all gradually gone, you know, when the last one goes to university or the last one leaves home, it's like, who am I? Am I? I mean, like, ideally, this is that magic moment where you get the time to go and deal with and do all the things that you you've missed out on and you want to do, mm. you know. But it could just as easily be that um, it's like I don't know who I am anymore. So that kind yeah. of of crisis that that can hit is going to hit at that point. Yeah.
0: So. Is it do, do people generally kind of prepare for it years in advance, or is it something that is just no,
1: kind of
0: hit, hit you?
1: human beings? Human beings astound me. <laughs> I mean, I accept that I'm a human being as well. Um, but I'm astounded by the fact that we don't prepare for things, we don't prepare for retirement, we don't prepare for death, we don't prepare for, for these things, you know. Um, and, it, and it, it always amazes me when I work with someone who is terminal or potentially terminal though it's never even occurred to them that they might die you know they're acting like they're surprised that it's uh that it's happening but it's going to happen to all of us yeah everybody who's listening to this i'm sorry guys but there's going to come an end point you know it's like death and taxes are the two things that are definitely going to be there for us
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know um and it's it's tough but it's real you yeah? know
0: so, the people that you might be dealing with right now, then, or that are kind of have this enormous change in their roles and life and kind of in their kind of setup with their household, what are you, how are you helping them through it? And how are you? Um,
1: well, it, it, it's trying to take you because there'll be a period of bereavement, of loss. So, and, and we know that goes through a kind of a disbelief. I can't come to terms with it. Then there can be like an emotional outpouring. And sometimes there's a bit of anger that comes as well which and the anger is quite useful cuz that's the energy that shifts us on um but very often it's getting people to change it from the idea of this is a scary fearful thing to this could actually be exciting this could actually be an exciting discovery yeah mm. it it could be a really good thing to do yeah um and and that is so so important you know it's like okay who am i well, maybe I can do the things that I haven't been able to do because I've had, and um, the kids to look after. You know? and yeah. suddenly mm, I can be me. Yeah,
0: yeah. This is where a kind of a bucket list can come in handy that you've maybe started to. I mean, there'll be people. There'll be people listening to this, and people my age, even or at my stage in life, where it's you know, the last ten years have flown by for me in terms of that. That since I've had children on the scene, so. The next ten years will fly by as well, I'm, I'm sure. So I should I should really start planning now, ish. Um, you know what what I and what we as a couple, me and my wife want, want to do once we have all that free time and that energy to uh, yeah, to use, isn't it? Rather than it just kind of hitting us, like when we say goodbye and you kind of we put him on the train to wherever he's off to. Uh, we should we should start planning now, shouldn't we?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, it's funny. Um, I notice it here where we are because we have the universities in Liverpool. How many people on Wirral and around the northwest suggest to their kids that they did well if they went to Liverpool, they could just commute, couldn't they, and they could still stay at home? Yeah, and that's quite a strong thing around here. I see.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I kind of managed to avoid that personally. I, I went to Newcastle, so um... yeah. And it's a city where I was born in Newcastle, so I kind of had family up there and I knew, knew the place quite well. So it felt a bit of a home from home, but at the same time, you know, I was, yeah. I kind of forced myself because I'm, I'm a bit of a home bird anyway. So I did, I do remember yeah. kind of forcing myself to go somewhere far enough away so that I wouldn't be able to like pop in easily and get washing done and stuff like that. I kind of, uh, and I, I was, re- I remember being quite upset leaving, especially on the day because, you know, I've got loads of mates here and uh, it's home and, you know, really close with, with family. So uh, I remember it being quite an ordeal initially. Um, and for the same for my parents, really, you know, kind of a, my mum getting quite upset about it. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you've got to do these things and just kind of force yourself into a to, to a... to do something different, haven't you?
1: I think that there are times for lots of people where you need to go away and discover yourself. And I think a child leaving home in that sense, even if it's only for a shortened period of time, is really useful. You know, in Australia, and with the aborigines, they used to have what they call walkabout, where kids would get to an age where, you know, the young men, where they would go off and go walkabout, um, which would mean they'd go off in, into the bush, into the country, whatever, with a bow and arrow, and maybe they wouldn't come back for months. Um, but they were going to discover themselves. You know, they, They'd go away, the boy, and come back the man, kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: um. Um, yeah i mean yeah i should have well i'll see if i can google some more stuff that i can put in the show notes about how historically we've dealt with that kind of thing and um obviously it's something that in the last couple hundred years it's it's become more and more important I know in the blog post you have kind of written about how you can set kind of certain um boundaries and rules in terms of how often you're contacting your your son or daughter, or people that are moving away, just so you kind of know what to expect in terms of how often you might hear from someone.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's useful to kind of get into the idea of, of contracting that, um, because depending on who's having the anxiety, there can be this, you know, trying to recontact, recontact, recontact all the time. Um, but if you're the the parent who's feeling anxious about the child, the child can really feel harassed. And it's like just go away and leave me alone. Mm. and let me get on with it. Mm. Um I, I guess if you're in close enough proximity to be able to um to have um Sunday lunches and maybe do some washing, um that's that is a useful point of contact. But very often, if someone like you went up to Newcastle, then the issue is um then you know these days you could zoom. I mean, presumably it would zoom around when you went up to uh
0: oh no no not at all no i mean that was 2001 so uh i mean i don't think broadband was even on the scene so it was all we had we had mobile phones back then so it was basically just calling and texting and i remember being quite restricted on um like back in the day mobile phone contracts you had like 50 50 53 minutes per month for calling landlines and someone else on the same network as you and like yeah 100 100 texts per month, that kind of thing. That's where we were back then. Do you remember all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I do remember having to kind of ration out phone calls and like having, you know, I'd call my parents or they would call me once, you know, once a week and we'd text through the week. So it's like, oh, your 15 minutes are up now, Mum. I've got to go. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Did did you actually write any letters?
0: No, um, I didn't. No, I know my father-in-law wrote to his my wife uh because she went to uni in newcastle uh, sorry lancaster um and i know that he did write to her i don't know if it was monthly or what i think she still got the letters actually um you know email was on the scene then we're not that old um but I i think for him it was uh it was just kind of quite a therapeutic thing to do um to kind of yeah keep keep in touch that way and something that she she would look forward to getting the letter in the post, you know, wh- wh- however often it was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It, it's weird how technology has changed. I can remember pagers where I'd carry a pager, which just like a tiny device that would say, um, Can you ring so and so? And then I'd have to go find a phone and ring them. So yeah. I've been paid, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know. You've also mentioned about how uh, you can kind of have that decision about what to do with this, the spare room now, because I know. Um, Mine was kind of kept as it was and, you know, I would would come home at Christmas and half terms or whatever. And so I was back fairly regularly. So my my room was kind of kept as my room back at home. uh, And I still called it home, you know, for a good while afterwards. But I've got a friend actually who as soon as he went to university, like literally within days, the parents had... uh, redecorated the bedroom of his just kind of yeah to turn it back into an office or a spare room or something like that it was like you
1: know straight away (laughs) and and that's again that needs to be negotiated because um it can really make the person who's lost their room feel kind of stateless you know they've got no base to go back to Mm. um but at the same time if you're in the family and someone's cleared off for three years and you've got this, this room knocking around, what do you do with that? Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I mean, but it, it's, it's communication, isn't it? And so, so that everybody feels okay in this situation that potentially for a lot of people is going to create quite a bit of anxiety. You know? Yeah, it
0: could do. Absolutely. And I guess the last thing to kind of mention is about that kind of changing dynamic between yourself and your partner your husband, wife, yeah. or whatever it is. Cause all of a sudden you've yeah. kind of you been so focused on dashing around with the kids, sorting them out, getting them through school and whatever exams, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden you, you kind of just left alone with this person that you might've married 20, 30 years prior and you kind of, but you haven't really spent full on time with them for a, a long time. So, you know, we, 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 we covered this in the midlife crisis stuff last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, kind of getting to know that person again uh, it can be is well is quite a big deal. I assume I'm I'm kind of at the stage yep. obviously where I'm full on parent mode. So uh, you know mm-hmm. I, I do live with my wife and I see her every day and say hello and kiss kiss a good night and all that stuff. But um, it's a proper seat of the pants at the moment parenting parenting. You know it's just 100 miles an hour. So
1: yeah,
0: um, yeah. I mean we and talked about well, that. now
1: the dog owner as well.
0: And exactly, yeah. And he, yeah. Do we get a dog just to kind of fill fill a gap in our lives or what? And is it all going to come tumbling down 10 years from now?
1: <laughs> what, uh, are you booking in a midlife crisis for 10 years' yeah. time?
0: <laughs> Maybe I am. Maybe I am. But, yeah, I mean, you do couples therapy, so is that is that kind of a big part of what, what you do at that, that stage in life for people?
1: It can be. I, I think it's one of those things where the dynamic of a, of a family changes so much that everybody does an audit. You no, know, and e- even the other kids that are left are thinking, mm, "How does this work?" And and then you do get the thing of, "Well, I want the bedroom if they're not using it. I want that, you know, that kind of stuff." So I mean, the dynamics changing all round. Um, yeah. And and there, I, I have known kids that have seen it's so devastating when one child has gone to university. They've said, "I'm not going to university." You know, it's it's tragic. I can't do it. Um. Wow. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> It's fun.
0: Yeah, I guess one of the key messages here is that is uh, as we've mentioned is to kind of plan ahead and look further down the line to what's coming for you. You know, so don't don't let this stuff take you by surprise.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that's the key to it. That's what I mean about. I'm I'm always I'm always amazed at how people act with such surprise at things that are so obvious. You know, so well, I never thought that'd happen to me kind of thing and like it obviously will happen to you because that's what happens to us people yeah. you know whatever the it is you know but it's 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 always quite extraordinary how people just don't consider you know so that, that I, I, it's good to live in the moment and good to live in the present and appreciate the present but you do have to have an awareness of what's going to happen next okay you no know. yeah yeah you know.
0: I and mean, we have talked as well in recent weeks about kind of what to do in a crisis. So yes, sometimes things do come out of the blue, don't they? And you can be kind of, so you can have a general awareness of things that so things will go wrong at some point, but I guess with yeah. stuff like this, it's knowing that, you know, yeah, some, some things are going to change. And I guess also that you can kind of look forward to it in some ways, you know, I'm not looking forward to not having my lads around all the time. And the amount of time I get to spend, I'm not really, you know, cause I'm, I do quite enjoy it as annoying as they are. Uh, I, I'm quite enjoying this period of life, but I'm also, it's also possible to look forward to a future um, where they're not as around, around as much. Um, and there's other things that I could be doing, you know, on my own or with my wife and enjoying those moments when I get to see them every few months or whatever, um, when they come home or when we go get to visit them, that kind of thing
1: yeah and then you've got grandchildren to look forward to
0: then yeah apparently so all right i don't know how far ahead we need to plan this stuff but yeah i'll uh i might not get too excited about that just yet it does look good fun though being a grandparent i must say if you do it right yeah
1: yeah yeah because you can have all the fun without the responsibilities
0: all right cool anything else you want to
1: mention sean no, no, I'm I'm okay. I mean, I, I think that the blog is worth a read if you're in that situation, uh, working around it. But my, my results for the week is is to go and have a Google around John Bowlby attachment theory, because um, uh, the whole kind of Bowlby thing is a really it, it's a really insightful piece of work that John Bowlby did, and there's loads of books out there. Um, if you go for the original John Bowlby book. Um, which has is, is gone out of print. And you can get it from places like Amazon. But it's going to cost you about between 28 and £40 pounds a copy. And then there are other versions of it, and you can even get it on PDF kind of thing. Um, okay. But it, it is worth a read. Because um, it, it, the thing is that from an attachment point of view, not only are we looking at, at our children, but we're looking at ourselves as well. And how we were attached and how we are affected by things. So it's quite a good thing for families to have an awareness of. You know?
0: Cool. I'm gonna mention a couple of movies because you know, I love to mention relevant movies. One one is the bucket list, uh, yeah. which is Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. Good laugh. Yeah. A lot of old time I think kind of, yeah. And yeah. also I was just thinking there's another movie, there's another Jack Nicholson movie called About Schmidt, um, where it's yeah again that later in life. I think his wife died, passes away, and he ends up going on a road trip in a big camper van. Actually, so I'll, oh. I'll like that one, Sean. Uh, <laughs> it's about a bit of a journey of self-discovery for him. It's you know it's funny but poignant and all that kind of stuff.
1: So yeah. yeah,
0: about Schmidt. Both yeah, worth a look as well.
1: Yeah, sounds good.
0: All right, okay. Um, well done. Yep. Okay,
1: Sean, you have yourself a good week, and you. Yeah, and maybe next week we could do one from. Gino de Campo, the
0: Campo van Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's book that in. That'd be fun. Let's do it. Yeah. Overlooking okay. the sea or something like that. All right, cool. Thanks, John.
1: Okay. You take care. See, See everyone. ya. Bye. Bye.